Um, so well, the first thing we're going to do is we've got a testimony from one of our house group leaders. So Amber's going to go meet Mr. Claypool over on the side over there and just want to hear about what God's done. Um, first of all, I know Tammy's sitting here saying, my gosh, you gave this guy a mic. We'll be here all day. Um, we had a last week during worship, uh, Lucas had finished singing a song and Tammy leaned over to me and she said, um, hey, I just, God just told me that I need to invite uh, Lonnie and Renee to our house group. And I said, okay. So she did. Sent our address and um, we went home and talked about it and she said, do you think they'll come? I said, I don't know. They did. So during the house group, uh, we were going over Rob's message from last week in regards to following God, listening to God, you know, what God has for us. And Tammy had said, you know, look, I stepped out of my comfort zone and invited someone else to our group. And there was a little bit of silence and Renee says, well, I just want to tell you something. Um, I have been praying for several weeks now to find a house group that would accept us with our kids and a um, place that we could uh, come and enjoy and discuss God. And, and it was just awesome how, how everything just fell together. And also we've, uh, another family in our group, um, Dustin and Amy, um, their kids. And Paxton, the youngest one, has been very, uh, at first, they, while there, uh, to be shy is to say the least. And to see how he has grown over the last three, four, five months, uh, come out of his shell and just really opened up to us. And it, it's been an amazing journey, to say the least. Thank you, David. That's awesome. You know what? That's, that's music to my ears, man. It's just so good. Um, God is so good, and we are, we are so excited about what God's doing here. Um, if you're new to us or you've been here for a while, we are going to boldly make disciples that make disciples that make disciples, and we're not going to apologize. <clears throat> we're not going to veer. That's, that's the calling. That's the command, the commission, and it's been the great omission in the church. The church has been, I think, we, we've, we've, the church has a heart to please God, but a lot of times we get stuck in the constructs and constraints of men or the culturally relevant stuff of the eras. And for some reason, this has been the hardest thing, but it's the thing. And I think that the enemy constantly attacks it because it's the thing God's called us to do. So he'll get us off on various uh, trajectories and places because <clears throat> at his core, what he really wants is for nothing God has uh, commanded or ordained to come to place. And so we're very excited that we're in a new season as a church. We're in a new season, so that means new language, new experiences, new expressions, new wine. But we also know that new wine can lead to new wine Wah! for lots of people, that people are resistant to change, <clears throat> that people don't like for new stuff. Like, it's, it's amazing we're a culture so um, consumed with new things, but then when things change that we didn't necessarily want to pursue, how much we kick and scream and cry and whine and complain. 
And we're in a new season. We're in a new season. We're the time and the epoch here is that there's a new thing that the Lord's doing and we're excited about it. And so one of the things that, um, we are seeing more and more is, um, we know that, um, this has been a, a, a amazing place with a rich history. And we believe that everything that's come before this time is leading us to the time. Like God doesn't waste anything. So not saying everything in here has been of God. And there's certainly been tons of things in here that have been of God. But what we want to do is we want to take the old, the middle, and the new and go in the place that he has us. And so we've been talking a lot about the last year We've been talking about um, these kind of triads and dyads that exist in the, in the Bible. And we've been talking about shapes. And I know you've probably gotten more geometry in the last year than you'd like. But the reason that we talk about this stuff is not because we're just trying to be catchy or pithy or whatever. We hope for that. But really because we're just trying to explain what we see. We're trying to give the best examples, the best illustrations, the best illuminations of things we already see. And we see lots of threes in our world. We see lots of threes in the Bible, right? You have husbands, wives, kids. You have earth, air, water. You know, you kind of got the land, the water, the air. We have kind of hot, cold, and warm. In the Bible, we even see we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then kind of the Acts 29 world that we live in, that the book of Acts ended with chapter 28, but we have a 29 expression of the now and not yet, that Jesus fully inaugurated God's kingdom, but it's coming each day in our lives. And so we see this thing at work in the world. We see ice. We see water and we see vapor. We see all this stuff of kind of trifectas. And so it's not something we made up. It's not something we made up. And um, so, you know, any good business has business accounting, you know, has like the marketing and accounting and the sales and, you know, all these different ways of doing things. And, and, And we want to put good language to biblical things. And so we talked about before, if it's memorable, then it's transferable, right? So if you can make something memorable, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven's like a mustard seed. He took the stuff of their day and showed them something that is very primal, very basic, but very memorable. And so when we talk about things, we talk about, um, we want to be memorable because if it's memorable and accessible, then it's transferable. So we're in a new series now we're calling Trifecta. And trifecta, we're going to talk a lot about the kind of the, the threes that we see in the Bible and really the, like the threes that kind of underpin the operating system as a church that we're operating on. One of those threes is um, what we've talked about a lot. And we've talked about, um, as we've talked about shapes, we've talked about up, in, and out. If you've got a Bible... Um, go with me to Matthew 5.48. Matthew 5.48 says this. Do we got that slide up there? Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And you might wonder, what does that have to do with the shape? There's not necessarily three things there. It's, 
what that really means is the, it, where, like in the Hebrew language, what that means is to be perfect as your Father in heaven's perfect actually has an allusion to balance. It means be balanced as your Father in heaven is balanced. We know that God hates dishonest scales. We say over and over again in the Proverbs and some of the prophets, the Lord hates dishonest scales and those scales rest on balance. God's not just all justice or judgment, but he's all, not just all love. We see that God has honest and balanced scales and it talks about be balanced as your father in heaven is balanced. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see the most balanced guy that ever lived. I had a friend growing up, like the boy just like was built like a brick, uh, you know what house and just was full of muscles like up here. If you looked at him from here, he looked like Arnold. But if you look at him down here, like the boy looked like Gumby. So he had like these big cannons and bulging packs, not much like myself. But then he had, he was like an orange on a toothpick, like, you know, like, uh, uh, so I married an axe murderer. And he was all, he was disbalanced. He was imbalanced. And when we look at Jesus, Jesus wasn't a guy with just big guns or great abs or big legs. Like Jesus was the most balanced guy who ever lived. And I think a lot of our culture, doesn't our culture, aren't we veering off the cliffs of imbalance right now? You gotta be a Republican or a Democrat. You gotta be woke or you're asleep. And it's like all this stuff, like we have all these, like, like this polarization is so prevalent. And it's like the, um, we're on the quest for the radical middle. We wanna be heavenly minded and earthly good. Okay? Our, our hope alone is in Jesus Christ. And if we want to put our hope in Jesus and we want to be like Jesus, we've got to be like Jesus. First John, it says, if any man claims to be in Christ, must walk as Jesus walked. Barna Research, uh, Barna is a big Christian research company and they do amazing amounts of uh, investigating, reporting, researching, quantifying data that really helps the rest of us look very smart, not as smart as they are. Um, Barner Research suggests that 22% of Christians um, are not disciples, and 24% of them do not make disciples because they have never learned it was required of them as a believer. So basically, about a quarter of all Christians don't make disciples or aren't disciples just because they didn't even know it was on the menu. Not to mention the amount that aren't doing it, period, anyways, who are hearing and ignoring. But a quarter of all Christians in all churches in America didn't even know that they were supposed to be a disciple or to make a disciple. That's disturbing. I can promise you no one will ever come to this church more than two or three times and know they're supposed to be a disciple and know what Jesus is calling us to. I can promise you that. When I first came, my staff, we were talking like, like in days gone by, the, like, you know, I, I was talking about make disciples, make disciples, like, hey, we've heard a lot of things and we've seen a lot of things, but we'll kind of see if it sticks because we've heard a lot of good ideas. We haven't necessarily seen a lot of execution. I'm like, I'm a one notes, I'm a one note song kind of guy. This is what we're doing. 
And it's gonna, we're gonna, it's about Jesus, it's by Jesus, it's for Jesus and through Jesus. We're gonna, we're about Jesus. And Jesus told us to make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. Luke chapter six, verse 12 through 19 says this. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles there. This is the picture. So if you wonder this whole, um, why, why are we talking about these shapes? These shapes are just basically a three-point sermon on a little graphic. That's all it is. The shapes make it memorable so it's transferable. You could probably tell a lot of people, I bet a lot of you could draw a triangle and put up and out on the triangle. And here's where we get that. We get it from Jesus. In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. So Jesus already had a following. Here he had people following him since the wedding of Cana. He was doing stuff that was changing the game for a lot of people. So Jesus had a big crowd. So Jesus went up all night to pray. And he's like, God, who do you want me to invest in? I think a lot of times we could save ourselves a lot of problems and a lot of issues in our lives if we just prayed before we did things instead of pray after we're already doing them and seeing like the Mayday flag, right? See, Jesus had this incredible sense of connection to Father God that was like no one else. And that's why he did things no one else can do. Do you know you, 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 every one of you, from the littlest to the biggest to the oldest to the tallest to the shortest, wherever you are on any of these spectrums, do you know you have an unlimited capacity to fulfill the will of God in the world in this time, all the days you have? The only thing that separates us from that, from the greats of old, from the John G. Lakes, from the uh, 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 Marie, you know, Wadsworth um, Ellers, from the... Um, Apostle Paul's to the St. Francis of Assisi's. Do you know the only thing that separates you from that is the kind of connection Jesus had to the Father? See, Jesus, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus was a guy of crazy amount of prayer. Do you know if you want power, you want freedom, you want change in your life, it will only come from crazy amount of prayers. You can do all the TED Talks, all the spiritual lessons, all the self-help books, all the great pastor's books, all the evangelism. You can do everything you want, but you will never get the results that you could get in the kingdom Amen. apart from prayer. That's just, that's, that's the only, that's the secret sauce. The secret sauce to discipleship, the secret sauce to mission, the secret sauce to growing as a husband, as a wife, as a child, as a teen, as a worker, as a business owner. The secret sauce is prayer. All right. There are so many things that the Father wants to unlock in our lives. And he's just waiting. He's saying, but I won't do it till you come to me. There are decade-old issues some of us walk in and continue in, and the Lord say, I've got an answer for that. I've got help for that. I've got hope for that. I've got more for that. I will redeem that. But he's just waiting for us to yield. And Jesus had this unlimited connection to God. Do you know it's not different for you and me? 
Do you know you have as much access to the Father as Jesus had? People from a Catholic upbringing, hear me. You don't need some saint to go before you. You are a saint. Saint just means sanctified one. If you were born again, you're a saint. You are a child of God. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You're born again. You are a saint because you're sanctified you. And Jesus says in John chapter 17, he says, you're sanctified. You're clean because of the word I've put in you. You don't need an intermediary. Do you know, I don't have any more access to the spirit of God as your pastor than you've got. Do you know, you can do the same stuff as me. Probably a lot more because if you know me very well, you're like, that guy's a little more limited than I thought. <laughs> Seriously. I'm not like saying that facetiously. I mean that with all my art. And my wife and my son would be like, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, you know, hashtag yes. Um, but you have everything you need in Christ, but the only thing that lacks often in our lives is a tenacity and an openness to prayer. I've seen God do things in my life as I've acquiesced. I suck. I suck at sitting still. Okay? I'm the most ADD cat you've ever met in your life. I will shake my leg when we're driving, and, our, and they'll think that we're hitting like those wake up bumps, and it's just like me, like, you know, and it's like, but like, you know what? If Jesus can cause me to be still, he can do it for you. Seriously. It's like Jesus has this thing and it's like, I've been so bad at it, but like, you know what? I've been willing to be bad at prayer to get good at it because it's that important. But I've seen everything in my life change too as I dialed in, as I gave up. And prayer, prayer is always the most humble thing you can do. Do you know that? Do you know that the meek inherit the earth, that the humble are exalted? Prayer is always the most humble thing you can do because it's always in agreement with him. It's always a pursuit of him. You want to be more humble in your life? Maybe you're some arrogant jerk. I know there's some arrogant jerks in here. I've been an arrogant jerk. I know there's at least one because I'm up here. But I don't want to be like that. And so what I'm just learning how to do is how to pray. Jesus, how how do you want to show your love to people through me? Well, it ain't like that, hombre. Or I want you to be still. I want you to wait. I want you to shut up. I want you to listen I want you to love. I want your heart to break. Like the Lord has a battery of stuff just waiting for us. There is a treasure trove. And Jesus, listen, he lost one of the 12. One of them was a devil. Can you imagine if he just thought, I like him the most, I like her the most, I like them the most. If he just did that and thought, oh, I'm just going to pick these people because of what their potential is. Can you imagine the disaster that would have been if the master lost one of the 12, what would we do if we just like flippantly pick things in our lives? And we do that way too often. The next thing was, let's keep reading. Go back to the verses. Please. He said, so Simon, whom he named Peter, these are the 12, Andrew, his brother, James, John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Keep going. Please. And Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot. Judas is like a really common name back then. You don't really hear Judas much anymore. It's like Adolf. Like a lot of Germans don't name their kid Adolf. (laughs) Judas just meant Judah. Judah is the word. It's just the name Judah. 
like the Hebraic Judas is the Greek version. Yuda, there weren't as many Yudas after that. And so they kind of put the name S like on his to make it different than Yuda. They changed it to Judas because he was just such a, you know, whatever he was. Um, and said in, who became, in Judas Iscriot, um, Iscariot is not his last name. He was from Creot or Creot. So that means from Creot. Um, and he came down with, with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples. So we see up. Jesus went up, prayed, gathered in to him. So up and in. Those that he wanted or those that God wanted him to invest in. And then with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, keep going, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and he healed them all. Very plainly in this passage, we see up, we see in, we see out. The method of Jesus was go to God. Many, many places we see Jesus go to God. Before the Sermon on the Mount, we see in Matthew 4, Jesus went and prayed and fasted 40 days. Right before this, the next great sermon, the Sermon on the Plain that has some similarities in the Sermon on the Mount, we see Jesus went up on the mountain all night to pray. And we see out of Jesus's up came his in. He gathered people to do life with him. The reason we talk so much about house groups is because the church, this on Sunday, this is really up in a lot of ways. Because we come worship, we pray, we receive. There's instruction, hopefully from on high, that we're not just doing stuff that we feel like we want to do, but we're hearing orders from headquarters doing part to the masses. This is a lot of up. And then like yesterday was out. Grocery giveaway is out. But like in, in is really where that stuff is kind of the glue that holds it all together. Intercessory people, prayer people. Do you know um, introverted people? You're not just allowed to be an up person or an in person. Extroverts, you're not just allowed to be an out or an in person. The thing about Jesus was, Jesus, it didn't matter to him what his Enneagram was or his Myers-Briggs was or his disc was. He said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And these things are only perfect when they work in balance. You have to have great up to do great in. And you have to have great in to do great out because like, there's no lone rangers or solo missions here. Even Han Solo had Chewie, Right? And we do life together in this inward place with disciples. As we grow as disciples, hey, children, thank you so much. They're so excited. I keep seeing Joby trying to wrangle them and just thought I'd give you a little, little assist there. So, um, um, so Jesus called the disciples to make disciples, to be disciples. And it's really important, however we do this in life, that we go together that we go together and that we do life together because a lot of us are alone and, and separated and that's where we fall apart. So up is living a life of passionate worship. In is really radical community. And out is missional zeal. Jesus said his mission was to seek and save the lost. Do we long to see people transformed. So I would encourage you in up 
Are you hearing from God who you're, how you're supposed to live life with others? And when you're praying, are you receiving God's heart for the lost? Are you receiving God's heart from the lost? For the lost. Because Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And it's interesting that the greatest act of, so if out would be, I mean, up would be classified as worship, it seems like in the Bible, one of the greatest acts of worship is reaching people for the kingdom. If you want to have a life that looks like Jesus, acts like Jesus, is like Jesus, ask him for a missional component. Ask him for a missional heart. Ask him for a missional drive. It's really important that if we want to be like Jesus, that we are like Jesus. And I love that people wanted to touch him. They wanted to grab him. They wanted to be close to him. Does your life have a compelling quality to it? Do people want to grab you? Do people want to be close to you? Do people want to receive from you? If not, ask God why. God, why am I a loner? God, why why don't I have any friends? He's got that for you. So a lot of times we have, to, we, we have to get alone with God so we can be presentable to the people we do life with and the people we're trying to reach because we don't want to be a bad representation of Jesus. And so as, as we're in this season and as this time, I want to encourage you to be praying about um, what this looks like in your life. Like how are all these levers functioning in your life? And I'm going to hurry up because we're kind of cut short on time. The, the right stuff happened today, the more important stuff. I'm not, this isn't the main event. So we'll cut this a little short. But I want to ask you, what's, what's up like in your life? If you could do a, a, an honest inventory, do you have any desire to meet with Jesus regularly? Do you meet with Jesus regularly? What's it like? Maybe it's dry. Maybe you're like, dude, I'm going for it, man. But I just can't, I can't break through. Maybe, there, maybe God wants to shift something up. Maybe you're too glued to a certain practice. I don't know, but keep on it. Maybe you're like, man, I got lots of friends and I want to reach people and I'm discipling people, but I'm honest, I don't have any up. I like to hang out with people, but man, I have no connection to God. You know, Or maybe you're like, I love to reach people. Listen, you will fan out quick and the enemy will devour you if you don't have anyone you're doing life with and any source from the power that you're trying to distribute. That's just the way it goes. And God, God has great things for all of us in store. Like I said, he has the same stuff in store for you and me that he did for Jesus. Can we know in John 14, 12, he says, you'll do greater things than me. You might be like, I don't see that. I don't know if I believe that. I, I can tell you, like in my life, I've seen some stuff that looks like the book of Acts. I've seen in other people, other ministries, some of you, I've seen stuff that looks like the book of Acts. And there's some praying people around here that like the Lord is doing stuff and it's like, it, it looks a lot like the stuff the disciples did. So I want you to know it's for us. And up in and out is the framework of the discipleship pattern that we're going to um, live out in this church because we see the life of Jesus there in Luke 6, 12 through 19. So how's your up? How's your in? How's your out? Where is Jesus calling you closer? 
Where's imbalance in your walk? Can we do the NDI? Can we switch real quick to this last graphic and then we'll call it a day? Is it working? So we got this little graphic here that um, up, passionate worship, connection with God. In, radical community, fellowship, fellowship. Out, missional zeal, seek and save the lost. Um, and also on there, you'll notice, we've been praying for a while. We, this is like the logo, we feel like where the Lord's leading us. So a lot of stuff over the next couple weeks, couple months, you're gonna see some changes aesthetically, um, websitely. Just, we just feel like the Lord has, um, we, we feel like we wanna be a church that's about three dimensions. We wanna be about the Father, we wanna be about the Son, we wanna be about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to do discipleship the way Jesus did it, up, in, out. Because if we want to be like Jesus, we're going to be like Jesus. And so you're going to see a lot in the coming times. Just uh, nothing flashy. We just feel like, hey, we're Vineyard Florence. That's what we are. All our vineyards in Cincinnati are Vineyard Northwest. We're Vineyard Florence. It's who we are. It's what our name is. It's what we're called. It's where our church is. And we just feel like this is where. And so there's kind of like infinity triangles on there. You know, just like, because there's all these different, like, uh, dimensions we're going to unpack. Imagine in the series Trifecta, we're going to unpack a bunch of triangles. Not really triangles, yeah, but a bunch of disciple-making things. And so we encourage you to uh, be checking stuff out and be looking, but this is kind of, this isn't like that sacred, but it's just the triangle we're we're operating with. So, um, yeah, how's your up, how's your in, how's your out? What's God calling you to? What's he doing? How's he moving in your life? Let's pray. And worship team's just gonna pray for a few minutes. If you wanna receive prayer, we wanna pray. If you wanna get ready for the fireworks tonight, get ready for the fireworks. You wanna hang out. But just know, I want you to know today, this stuff that Jesus is inviting us to, this is for us. We're not in usual times, friends. God's not calling a usual church. We're in an unusual, unprecedented season where the earth is fading. Evil is increasing at a speed that it can't be matched in many ways. And the only way to combat this stuff and not to be seduced or swept away or taken in or destroyed or just mauled over by it is to um, start developing lives that look and act in the character and the competency of Jesus Christ. We're gonna be that kind of church. So Lord, would you just give us what we need? Would you give us in a passionate connection with you? I pray that Lord, in our prayer rooms daily, on our prayer nights, an intercessory prayer, Lord, in the times we, we pray, Lord, that we would be a people of prayer. That Lord, you would change our desires, what we listen to, to things that glorify you, Lord. Would we be a church that brings you great honor? Would we be a church, Lord, that listen, we're not the best at making disciples, but we're gonna be the best. And I believe that the first Western Hemisphere movement that is going to reach millions of people is going to come out of this place. Lord, you are going to make millions of disciples because of what we're going after here. There's other movements that we're partnering with, Lord. We're going to see it change the world. I believe that. I believe that because you said we can do the same thing as you and you change the world with a bunch of people that no one else thought could do it. And Lord, help us to have a missional zeal. Let zeal for your house, let zeal for the lost consume us. Let zeal for your honor consume us. 
I love you, Jesus. I bless you and I love this church. And I just thank you for them. We thank you for freedom. We think it's for freedom you set us free. Lord, help us not to be carried away in the freedoms that our society offers, but help us to exercise our freedom in Christ to show people what real freedom looks like. We love you and we bless your name. Through it we pray, Father. Amen.